They're someone you should definitely look up to. You are listening to the Assistant Principal's Office, the podcast dedicated to inspiring, equipping, and empowering you as you serve in education. Get ready. Let's go. Your planning hour is in session, baby. And now, here's your host, Principal P, the MC. MC. Yo, 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 what up? It's another episode of the Assistant Principal's Office with your host, Principal P, the MC. Welcome to the AP office here for another episode of the informative, down to earth, unscripted and unrehearsed, unrehearsed podcast aimed at putting you up on game about education and the pitfalls and obstacles we navigating and facing. I just made that up, y'all. I'm out here. Yo, I got an episode today. I got somebody with me, someone that I used to work with closely. We used to get a lot of things done down there in the Copen area. She's currently an assistant principal. She's very intelligent and she's driven, driven. The famous Ruby Navarro. I'm honored to be in the office with you, fam. How you doing? Good morning. Thank you so much for inviting me on this. I was just so happy to see that you that yeah. you have this going. Yeah, I, I so take, happy I take leaps. I, I put the cart before the horse and I just be doing shit. So yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And and that's amazing. Like, so seriously, one of the things that I've thought, I was like, I, I really be, not because I want to be interviewed in a podcast, but I want to like interview other people. I, I, I love podcasts. I'm a podcast fiend fanatic. So I've heard, I've listened to all your episodes and well, thank you. Thank so happy you. for um, you. You're the guy. You're man, the guy that does I really that. appreciate that feedback. I just kind of took, took a leap and decided that we all have a story to tell, and I was going to be the one to kind of help curate that experience. So, yeah, I'm here to help the, my people get to know you and for you to know my people, because they will reach out, they'll follow, they'll definitely tap in. And I think this is about to be a good one, y'all. Man, man, well, buckle up, buckle up. So um, let's get into it. Ruby, uh, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Where you come from? Are you working on your doctorate? Have you written any books? Like, give us the rundown. <laughs> Dang, definitely no on those things. But um, so I'm um, I'm from Fontana, and I grew up there. Went to AB Miller, um, just a longtime rebel, and uh, I went to really? Cal State San Bernardino. Really? I am an assistant. Okay. I did. Um, I'm yeah. Coyote. So um, I'm an assistant principal at Lakeside Middle School in Valverde Unified. And I am a proud mother of three amazing young adults. And um, so I'm, I'm a Latina. I'm a strong woman. And um, there's a lot that's gone on in my life that's gotten me to who I am today as an administrator. But yeah, so yeah, let's that's, uh, that's talk me about in a nutshell. upbringing. Let's talk about Fontana. You know, I'm from the Tana too. How was it? So I moved there when I was in uh, in fourth grade, and it was all white. We were the wow. only Hispanic family mm. in our entire neighborhood. There was one. There was us. We were the one Mexican family. There was one Jamaican family, really? and there was one Filipino family. It, it yeah. was a different place. And he went to A.B. Miller. Right. Okay. I went to Miller. Yeah. I was the third graduating class. Um, 
I know that like the reason my dad moved us out to Fontana, we lived in LA and he was just always really worried about, we weren't going to be in gangs. We weren't going to fall into drugs and, and all those things that, that my parents worried about. Um, they are, I am first generation. My parents have a sixth grade education. They're from Mexico, extremely wow. hardworking. And they are like, they're, they're so inspiring to me. Um, so that's how I ended up in Fontana because my dad didn't want us to grow up in, in LA and all the things that could put, we could potentially get into there. Not that we couldn't yeah. get into those things right. in Fontana, right? It's myth, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, but it, it was that definitely late different. 80s, early 90s, massive LA exodus to the inland areas and to the high desert to avoid all that nonsense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was a part of that too. Yeah, yeah I understand. And we still... Did you did you did, live yeah, in Fontana yeah. too then? In, you said you went Fontana to and I went to Etiwanda and A.B. Miller. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but we managed to get mm -hmm. in, into trouble no matter where we was at because that's just what we decided. That's just what, what we was on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I made a bunch of stupid decisions and that's what carved me and, and, and kind of hand, handcrafted me into the individual that I am today. So I like myself to be very resilient. But let's talk about you, though. So, all right, Fontana. Um, how did growing up first generation, how did that inspire you and push you to do what you're doing? I'm sure your parents are heavily, heavily proud of you. So, um, for my parents, I, I don't think they, I know they didn't know how to help me, right? Like they didn't know how to help me with my homework, but for them, it was just, you're going to go to college period. That, that was all they ever talked to us about. Like you will go to college, you will speak Spanish and you will go to college. Those uh -huh. things are really important to them. Uh, but I'm the youngest of four. And so fortunately, I had my brother and my sisters who came before me on and, you know, and they, they were they all went to college really? and we're all educators. So, yeah. So my brother is an assistant principal out in L.A. My sisters are elementary school teachers. One of them's in Fontana still. And so we're all educators. But um, for me, it was like a passion from since I was a little girl, like. I just knew that's what I wanted to be since, since I was little things changed. Like, you know, as I got older, I was like, I want to be right. a marine biologist. I want to like make movies. I, you know, went through those phases. Um, but education's just kind of in us, I think in, in my family. Really? And, um, Do you come from a family of educators in your parents' home country? Wow. Absolutely not. No. Um, we are the only, well, yeah, I think we're the only family in our family on both sides, my dad's and my mom's, that where all of us have gone to college. Um, my, It was, you know, my hat's off to my parents who just did everything they could to make sure that that's, that's where we got. So um, just mad respect for, for my parents. And it's one of the things that helps me connect right. with my students today. So as they are... Um, you know, like in our community, like uh, I, I worked in Fontana as a teacher for 11 years and then I went to Colton and now I'm, I'm in Valverde and the community is yeah, very yeah. similar, right? We, we have a, a, especially in Valverde, we have a huge immigrant community. And um, so as I'm dealing with students, right, they're getting in trouble. They don't want to go to school. They don't, they don't care about school. And the second I can connect them to their parents, 
and we could talk about how their parents are immigrants and what they've gone through and the struggle and, and why they're here to give them this opportunity. Um, it's helped me connect with students and they're like, okay, you're right. It's not for me. Like I do need to go back and like honor my parents. Like that's, that's really important. And I'm sure it's important in all cultures, but I know that as a Latino, like that's really important to us is to honor our family. And, um, so that, that, that's been a big drive for me is um, I, I was thinking about like, why, like, why has education been so important for me? And I listened to other people and they talk about like, it was this one teacher. I had amazing teachers in Fontana, amazing teachers. Really? But I think of my yeah, family, of honestly. It like, sounds like, like it coming from a family of educators. Yeah, yeah. And you just decided that this is what I'm going to do. And I'm sure there was something that <clears throat> something that caused your siblings to go into that into that same path. Or maybe they opened up the door for you and you just kind of went through it as well. But, yeah, that's um, that's actually powerful. And the fact that you use that connection, the cultural connection and just the the uh, relative experience that you all have and use that to connect with your kids. That's that's what's up. That's what's up. Cause you know what? Um, a lot of people don't see the value in that. Like I was talking to someone recently, and we were talking about hiring someone. And I said, "We need to hire someone. We we, we need to get the right fit. We gotta have the right fit." And they were like, "I hate when people say that because it speaks to all these different things. You know, it speaks to you know, do you need to speak Spanish? Do you need to be a person of color?" And she was a Caucasian lady, and I just left it on the table, like. But if we already have a bunch of point guards, we don't need another point guard. I need a center. You know what I'm saying? So it has nothing to do with the person's ability. I mean, it happens every year inside of these NBA and these and these NFL drafts. You have a team that already has these positions met. And if they're if the burst, if the best person in the draft happens to be a point guard, but I already got a point guard, I already got Chris Paul, why am I gonna draft another point guard? I'm gonna go get a center who might not be the best player of the draft, but he's the best fit, using air quotes, the best fit for that team. Do you see the power in that? Because other people tend not to. You know, I my hat's off to HR and sitting on these panels and having to pick someone because you're getting just this very small snapshot, right? But definitely I agree with you that there's so much more that's that's necessary, right? Like there's your credentials, there's what you've what you've done. But if you can't connect with kids, if you don't mm. care to connect with kids, you have no place there, it, no. in mm. my humble opinion, right? So definitely, I think that matters. And so, um, like you were talking about the, the mistakes you've made, <laughs> no, and you so haven't. I've made no, many mistakes. Knock it off. Knock it off. Yes, I have. Little Ruby's like, I want to be an <laughs> educator. My siblings are educators. My parents are pushing it. This is what I want to do. I want to do this. What made you decide to become an administrator? When was it that the light bulb went off and you decided to make that jump? And why? You know what? It was just, honestly, it was just very natural. Like, it just felt like, I want the next thing. Like, I want my next challenge. So I actually, I, I got my master's and it took me five years before I applied to an admin position. You know, as teachers, when we're getting um, evaluated, we're like, who is this AP right. who hasn't been in the classroom mm -hmm. and they're trying to teach me how to teach? <clears throat> One of the things that was really important to me was just that I, 
I don't know. It just happened. It was just like, I really want to challenge myself with something else. And um, it sounds super (laughs) corny, but I really believed I wanted to affect change at a greater level, but I didn't want to do it until I felt like I had, like, I have to be an amazing teacher before I feel comfortable to make that jump because I don't want to, I don't want teachers to feel like, why, why are you trying to tell me what to do when you, you haven't done it yourself? And what you um, teach? So, sorry. Biology, that's right. Okay. Biology. Biology and, and history. history, actually. So, um, yeah, so I, I actually got my degree in history. And when I was in college, I was like, I know, you're not going to believe me. I missed math and science. What? Wait, hold so on. I started hold taking on, math on. and science courses. I don't believe you. No, right. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I don't. I promise you. It was like, I just missed taking oh, math I and science. Equations, so, um, formulas, nah, nah. So I started taking classes and I was like, I I think I want to be a doctor now, right? I, I, I wanted that. And uh, so I started taking, so I switched my major to biology, but I was already so deep in history that I was like, I'm going to finish this also, right? Not gonna, I, I love history. Um, but I, I'm a teenage mom, right? I had my son when I was okay. 18, my first child. And, um, you know, like taking science classes, they come with labs. I was always gone. Like I could not see my son. Like um, I was working, right? You're in college, you're doing labs, you're studying. I, was, I wasn't spending much time with my son. So I was like, and then to go to graduate school right afterwards and see him even less, like that's that's not okay. And fortunately, I love teaching. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a teacher and I'm gonna teach bio or history and that's what I'm gonna do. So anyhow, that's what I taught. That's what I taught. Wow. Okay. And why did you make the administrative gym? Like I said, it just felt like just, I just, just needed a different challenge. I, I just needed to go make change somewhere how else. How many like years at a did you level. teach? Nice. Okay. Eleven. So you haven't had to Eleven run into years. the you don't know what you're talking about thing as an administrator because some people push that, especially on like PE teachers. They they give PE teachers a hard time. <laughs> I'm Who sorry. Gives they give teachers um, a hard time. The P, they. I'm sorry. The teachers give former. They give administrators who taught PE a hard time. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know what? I'm sure they say mm. it. They just haven't said it to my face. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Right, but I have right. not heard that yet. Okay. Um, I also think that just keeping that in mind, I, I try to be mindful of it when I do evaluate a teacher to not come at them from this like. I know everything. So just um, more of like, uh, like asking questions and helping them get to, you know, like what are we working on helping them set goals, not telling them this is what you're doing wrong and um, what you need to be doing. Uh, it's it's a partnership. We work together on it. So no, I have not come across What strategies or, or whatever do you have for someone who's in, in your role trying to finesse or not finesse, but massage and build relationships with, with teachers? Uh, 
man, yeah, I, I definitely learned that the hard way. My my first year as an administrator, it was like, what do you mean you just aren't going to do these things? Like, as a teacher, like you told me what to do, my boss, like, sir, yes, sir, that's what my boss said to do. I'm doing it. <laughs> nah, well, that's not, not how it goes, right? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I learned how important it is to build those re- like genuine relationships, like really just talk to people and ask them how they're doing and uh, be kind and be polite and um, be in their classroom, do what you say you're going to do, right? Like the fact that if, if you tell a teacher, we'll call you back, like those little things matter, right? Like if you say you're going to deal with something that you deal with it. So it's a consistency, it's genuine and uh, just really try to get to know the teacher, understand where they're coming from. Um, We're in a position where we often see just a small piece of the teacher. And I don't know, let's say you're thinking like of a struggling teacher, right? Like poor classroom management or something. Um, And just really trying to understand like why, like are they going through something or maybe it's their personality. And then just really tailoring your approach based on the person. So I don't know that there's just one answer. It's really knowing teachers. And how did you do it? Are you still an administrator? So you're not an administrator administrator. I'm just at the district. I I moved out and I moved up. That's kind of what I like to coin as uh, what happened to me just a a few months ago. But Mm -hmm. it's what I do. So I go to schools and I am deployed to really just build culture and climate. And what that means is meeting the needs of the students, administration, staff, whatever, like just showing up and just bringing love. Certain students are not responding well to the administrator, so they'll call me in to kind of talk to them. And I run restorative circles and like boys groups and girls groups and stuff like that. So I kind of I, I kind of stay away from That's the awesome. girls groups because, you know, okay. those, the, just the whole content of it can sometimes be a little, uh, I don't say intimidating, but intimidating for them, you know, having to open up to me. But when I'm around the fellas, oh, it's all good. We get it in, you know, and I'm still building relationships with teachers and staff and still jumping through those hoops and trying to prove to people that I am who I am because I am an outsider. I'm coming in and they're like, who are you? You know, you came in February. Were you fired? You know, like all sorts of things. And just, you know, who's this black guy? So just really trying to build that relationship. But I imagine that you felt some of the same um, challenges or you faced some of the same challenges being a Latina and I know women like to hate on other women and I hate to just throw that, throw that stereotype out there. But in my experience, it is what it is. And how have you had to deal with that or how have you gotten over that? Let me try to answer. I know they they do. You know what? Um, As a result of those types of experiences, I am, I'll, I, I appreciate women who have been supportive to me in, in, in my in my journey. Um, we had Ms. Hampton on here, you know, uh, Tiffany Hampton. She's one of those women. A lot of those women we worked with at CJUSD Marland yeah. are those women, you, you know, that are just going to be supportive and say, come on, let's go. We're going to do this together. 
Mm. But that hasn't always been the case. So I don't know what, I don't know why, but we, it starts from when they're, we're little, right? Like you could see this pettiness between girls. Um, and um, I was, my sisters and I were talking about this, that like men seem to, and I'm generalizing obviously, but men seem to be really supportive of each other. Like in general, like if you guys are doing like, damn, that's right. Like, let's go. Like you, you did all this, like, and you guys can be so supportive of each other. And um, I can't tell you why, but generally speaking, it, it, it is a problem. It's an issue. And so from the Latina perspective, from the um, just the female perspective, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out, Merlan. But I know that I want to be the kind of woman that is secure and strong enough in myself. I'm not threatened by another woman's success, right? Like, and how do I navigate, like, not having to, like, I'm, I'm naturally a strong person, but don't be too strong. Right. Like, and, but then at the same time, not dimming yourself so that others won't feel uncomfortable. Right. It's a balance. I'm still working on that. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a key probing at you. Why can't you be as strong as you are? Why do you have to limit yourself? Why do you have to minimize yourself? Why do you think? I don't, um, I've, I've had to do like, I, I, I'm very self-reflective. So I've done a lot of reflecting, like, what is it about me that, that people think is like, well, that that's too much. And, um, so I, I ended up like, you know, like it was like, okay, you know, we, we know there's politics in this game and um being mindful of of like well, what am i doing and, and and how do i adjust and still being an authentic me um but you know it's crazy like i was helping my son my son's 25 he was i was helping him prepare for an interview and he answered a he was going through a question and when he was done i said that was a great answer but i didn't hear that like confidence in your voice that you always have because he's a very confident young man and um, he said, well, I know he's like, but, you know, I just don't want to come off as too much. Mm. My son is a he's a big football player, dude. He's um, he's he's half black. He, he's he's a big dude. And uh, he t- when he said that to me, it made me sad that he feels like he can't be who he is because he may be yeah. too much, too confident. And um, so I realized that maybe I was putting that out there to my kids because I was, I'm worried about not being too much. And so I don't know, I I'm just still working on that, Marlon. Uh, like how- I think it's a product of society. It's the Paris Guide to School Discipline. You have children? My principal be the MC. Parents, do you have students in public school in California? Have you ever been confused with California Ed Code as it relates to disciplinary issues? Do you know what information the school must share with you when your student is suspended? Well, get the info you need with the Parents Guide to School Discipline, where we unpack the discipline process and provide you with valuable information on how to navigate school suspensions. Pick up your guide today at principalpthemc.com. That's principalpthemc.com. You know, because 
the moment you were saying, yeah, my son, he feels like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And the fact that he's tall, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, like, and tall people mm-hmm. take up space. And when you're tall, you know, you're black, you take up some space and you have a loud voice or a deep voice or a voice that carries or whatever. It's it could be intimidating to some. And it's not welcomed in some spaces, you know, and I I, I feel right. it. like I, I put my hand on my heart because I feel exactly what he's saying, because I've had to dim my own light in the interest of others, you know, and I always say I have to put on my veil when I go to work. You know, I have to I, I have to put another coat on that will protect all of me from showing, you know, and. Tell me what you mean like, by that. Like, I'm okay. No, I'm, like, I'm like you now. I'm using African American vernacular, as they say. You know, the way in which I speak, the way in which I carry myself, the music I'm going to play it. at my desk, um, different ways in which I carry myself um, in regard to wearing a, a kente cloth tie, or just the cultural aspects of me and things that I understand other people don't, and vice versa that's what I have to really have to kind of like keep quelled because it becomes too much for a lot of people to handle. Some people aren't really comfortable mm-hmm. being around someone who's as culturally proficient as myself. And it becomes an obstacle for many, especially, especially, you know, being six, four and black. So that's what I've had to deal with, but I'm walking in my male privilege, you know, cause I don't have, the issues that go on between female and female, but on the male side, I would say my biggest haters have been guys. They just, yeah, they feel like, really, you know, I'm slightly humorous as people say. So it's always about who's the funniest, who's the tallest, who's the fastest, who's the strongest. Like it's, it's all, it's that competitive, you know, I don't want to say that like Neanderthal complex, but it's that shit, you know, where we're trying to figure out, you know, it's a pissing contest, you know, and, I don't really get into that. I, I always spread love. I put people on. I don't. I don't hide the code. I don't. I, I don't hide the plug. If I know something, I give it away. I give it away, and that's what. That's how I've always been. You know, my people. You know, um, black people, African Americans are. You know, communal people by nature. Like we're around our families. Like we're. You know, I. I think we invented the family reunion in this in this country you know like this that's that's what we do and you know and as people of color you hang out with somebody long enough you know or your, your mom your mom has a co-worker and the co-workers you know have daughters sons and those become your cousins because that's just what we do um and a lot of people don't they don't they don't live like that they're they're very they're very rigid mm-hmm. and when you come in with that level of uh of of, of approach and that conduct People don't subscribe to that, so it seems weird to them. You know, even when I'm when I'm leading, there's a time to lead, and then there's a time to to love, I guess. So I love while I lead. You know, like yes, I'm in charge of you. Yes, I'm your supervisor, your boss, or whatever. But I love you. You know, say and 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 I and that's how I present everything that I do. I include people. It's never big me, little you. It's mm-hmm. it's not even really so much top down. It's just like you know where we are in this together especially and a lot of people don't yes. they don't like that they feel it needs to be you're in charge you do what you do what you do it but i'm like some of these people are older than i am you know like they could be my dad's age you know what i mean so i try to pull on their experience and certain people certain people think that that's not what you're supposed to be doing 
I think you're right on with that. And um, I agree with you 100% that it's like, I don't even, you know, I, it makes me even uncomfortable when somebody's right. like, hey, boss, like that mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it should or if it shouldn't, but it does. Like, I, I don't even want to think about that, that there's like levels to this. Like, I love collaborating with with people and it's just like we're, we're just working together and uh, I happen to have a different responsibility than you know the counselor the teacher whoever I'm working with um but that's that's interesting that um well obviously I do know that you know men are competitive and you were going back to like some of your biggest haters have been men and um I when I think of what people don't understand that I may be going through or that you may be going through. Um, I, I truly believe people are good. Like I, I think people in general, like they don't do things to be malicious. Mm. It's a lack of understanding. Maybe it's just never been brought to your attention. You've never had to deal with it. So one of the things that I um, just thinking about myself then is like, I know I'm, I'm a Latina woman who's gone through a lot of things. But one of the things I realized was that I never thought of, my son as a young black man because he's been raised around the the, the mexican family his entire life we're like right you're right. mexican right um, so when he started talking to me about mm-hmm. the things he was going through and at first i was like what do you mean i certainly don't consider myself racist ignorant uh, just uncultured and here I was not understanding what my own son was going through. So I, I like to give that grace to other people who may do things that aren't cool to me um, because they just maybe they just haven't been made aware yet. So um, one of the things I had to do for myself, for my for my kids was um, I started reading um, White okay. Fragility and not from the perspective of like, here's what white people need to do differently. It was like, which, how many of these things am I doing myself? Wow. Okay. Right. Like, um, and, uh, so all these things that, that we deal with Marlan as people of color and in positions of leadership. And, um, I, it, I know that it's not because people are purposely trying to be malicious. I'd yeah. like to think not. Um, sometimes maybe we just have to, um, yeah, I, I believe that, that many of them are operating underneath that mindset. They just don't know. And then I further believe that there's plenty who just don't care. They know what they doing. (laughs) Oh, I I believe that. Yes. What they doing. They've been doing it for, you know, 400 years. All right. So what are some things? uh, Okay. Okay. Let's get, let's, let's dive a little deeper into you. So what are some of your biggest failures? What are some things that you tried to do when you failed miserably and what'd you learn from it and be as specific as possible? We dig it now. We dig it now. <laughs> so I've had some doozies, seriously, but um let's not talk about some of those. But um 
You know, I, I, again, my faith as a Christian woman, I think has a lot to do with the, the, the next thing I'm going to say. And that is that I don't even like to think of some, some of these things as, as failures because they're just, they've made me who I am today. Right. And then you take that thing and then you right. use it for something positive. I remember that when I've, I found out, uh, you know, I, I'm in a, again, I'm in a Mexican family where my parents were all about, you know, you will go to college uh, because I'm a woman. I wasn't going to leave my house until I got married. And um, so I wasn't going to go away to college because heaven forbid you are <laughs> de-virginized in the process, right? And then you're going to get married. What's going to happen to you? Right. So whereas my brother got to go away to college, he went to UCLA. My sisters and I, we needed to, you know, it was important that we went close to home. And um, so that when I got pregnant mm. out of wedlock in my first quarter in college, that, you know, to my family, that was like a huge failure. Like, what are you going to do with yourself now? Like, right? Like, you're probably going to drop out of college. And what are you going to do with yourself now? And Oh, no, yeah. you went away. Are you still here? You don't see me? Uh, it shows that your camera is disabled due Let's to slow see. internet connection. We're good. Just keep going. It's still picking up on the on the audio. We straight. Okay. 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 So, um, and my son, but my he's the best thing that happened to me in my life, right? So that that was absolutely not a failure. Um, so if I'm thinking about failures, like I'm thinking about things like, yeah, my, you know, having to, to learn to first build relationships as an administrator or, um, not, not taking the time initially to, uh, to build relationships with students. You know, it was like, you know, when you're first an AP and you're doing discipline, like you just kind of like on a roll and you're trying to get through it. And so I, I think some of my biggest mistakes have been early on, not taking the time to build relationships with students, teachers, people in general, because I'm just kind of like a workhorse, right? Like it's just like, well, this has got to get done. Let's go, let's go. So I've definitely learned to, it's, there's a lot of value and a lot you're going to get back. If you slow down you take the time, uh -huh. even though that kid got in trouble, he got caught with weed, he got, he's under the influence or he just, he or she just got in a fight. I'm like, let's, let's stop and take the time to like, get to know you. Who are you? What else right, are you? Right. What are you succeeding at? And the dividends you get back, it, you know, you get in return from taking those few minutes. Uh, crisis. Like, that's just have you done you discipline the entire time? No, sir. So, um, no, I, I mean, I, I actually enjoy it, but, um, I, I got to do master schedule this last year and, uh, work with the, with the guidance, like with the counselors. And, um, we just did everything that was college and career ready, right? Like getting students ready for college. And, um, that was an amazing experience for me because, 
it like I was having all these oppor- like I was taking all these opportunities to have positive right. interactions with kids. Like they weren't right. here to see me because they were in trouble. I was calling them in because I was checking mm. on their grades or their attendance, and um, it, it just gave me a whole different perspective because um, I, I didn't have to deal with discipline. Discipline at, is, like, is a all. monster. It's it was just, amazing. It just never ends. It just never ends. And the moment you get a little bit of downtime, there it is. 415, the cafeteria. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I don't know why. Like, like it, it I, doesn't I bother me the, at all. It wasn't, it wasn't really the work. It was the expectation and trying to change the minds of people to have to um to help them re- reframe what discipline should be. For example. You do this, mm-hmm. you're supposed to get this no matter what. You do one, you get two no matter what. This like zero tolerance approach to discipline, which disproportionately impacts, you know, black and brown boys. I'm not I'm not really down with, you know, so I'm looking at the whole student, which does take time. You have to massage these relationships. You have to build them. You, you have to yeah. be on point with the parents. You got to reach out to them like you got to be someone that they actually trust. And that takes time to do. And in a lot of instances, and I know yeah. this year has been crazy, but in a lot of instances, uh, the the teachers I've encountered, many ain't got time for that. I need them out. I need them out. Don't send them back. You know, and I've had some of the most ridiculous things said to me. Don't send this kid back to me until I have a meeting with the parent. And I was like, well, did you schedule the meeting? No, you. Like, what? No, this kid to be back tomorrow. Because they want, not they, yeah. but many want some kids removed for things that are just, I believe, classroom managed behavior. So it was building that capacity within the teachers to kind of handle these behaviors within the classroom to keep the kids inside the classroom. Cause when a kid yells, fuck, it's not the same as fuck you, you know? And I feel like in coaching for the most part, that was kind of hammered in a little bit more. It was, it was more or less um, understood for the most part, as opposed to other areas in which I have worked where, you know, they want to remove kids for nonsense, in my personal opinion. So that was a that was a challenge for me, though. It was a real difficult thing. Because when I when I see those kids, I see myself, you know, I don't and I see my friends and Mm -hmm. my brother and my sister and my cousins like I don't see just oh, that's just so and so, you know, like I see my people. And a lot of people don't subscribe to that, to that mantra. So I stood out. And, and I agree with you that, that that's it. That's the, that's a, you're right. That's a really hard part, but like, think of it this way, Marlon, like who better to be there right, as their advocate right. than you, right? And so um, I, that's what I see as the opportunity of like, well, we're going to let these teachers know what's going on with these kids, right? Let's, Let's use, let's um, like being intentional and proactive and like sharing that information to make sure they get to the point where like, you understand this mm-hmm. is not okay. We will not be doing that. Um, but yeah, that, that nah, it's right. a challenge. So everywhere. now in my I current think. role, I get to oversee, you know, uh, the implementation of PBIS as well. So I get to go to these places and I get to bring numbers and the numbers don't lie. And I say, yo, this is what's going on. What what are we mm-hmm. doing for this? What are we doing for that? I'm talking to administrators. I'm talking to district personnel. I'm asking those questions. 
I'm at the table now. You know what I mean? Like really asking the questions to get people to do what needs to be done. And I'm pulling the data and not the skewed data, but the raw data, the actual things that need to be, you know, um, quantified, I guess. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to g- g- get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLace.Underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. He's a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. And I feel good about that. I feel like I'm really making an impact That's going amazing. into schools and talking to people. And, and you know, my knowledge of, you know, Ed Code and 48900, whatever, really lends me the credibility to speak and say what needs to be said. For the most part. And didn't we have the best teacher on teaching us we about did. Ed Code at Colton? Monster, Missy King. Shout out I tried to, Missy. to call her yesterday twice. <laughs> she didn't answer the phone, nor did she call me back. So yeah, she's kinda in a doghouse wow. right now. But um yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she is <laughs> she is my go to even now when I have questions. I'll just I'll just I'll just bang her line and she's like, Yeah, Same. Parker do bam bam, done. And I'm like, cool, because, you know, sometimes things come up I haven't had to deal with with, from this chair, and she has. So, I'm sorry, just, I I can't, I keep thinking about this, so I'm not going to let you off the hook for this, but I want to go back (laughs) to something you said, like, 15 minutes ago. You said that you, like, run groups and stuff like that for students, but that you try to stay away from the, the female groups. No, it, okay. And... Like, okay. Be, okay. Like, okay. why? Why, why are you doing this? Because I have experienced some where the comfort level with me, they're they're not there to where they feel like they can open up, and I've and so um, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll bring in a co-facilitator who is typically a female just to kind of help mm-hmm. get that get that going. It, it's it's not so much yeah. me. It's really just I want to make sure that they're comfortable in the space where they can say what they need to say, and it really just depends on the situation. You know, mm-hmm. if I have, you know, a group of girls that are having, you know, physical mm-hmm. issues with this other group of girls and are getting ready to fight, I can kind of deal with that. But if you're talking about sexual things that I haven't experienced and I'm on the opposite end of that, of mm-hmm. that, of that spectrum, I, they typically, in my experience, have felt much more comfortable with a woman. So therefore, I have just removed myself and reclused myself to bring someone else in who can kind of help you know, finesse and get that situation resolved. I don't shy from any conversation with anybody at all. I could talk to anybody and they're going to get as close to and the authentic Marlan as they possibly can. But yeah, thank you for calling me out on that because I was, uh, yeah. So I'm glad you clarified because I don't like talking to the girl. Like, you know, as Right. Of course, of course. No, I know it's not that, but that one of the things that that I have noticed, you know, just like in our career, 
is that, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we either we either hold back men from having these types of interactions with these young ladies or, you know, you recluse yourself. Um, but in talking to these young ladies, how often they need that yeah. positive male role model. And uh, so anyhow, cool. I'm glad you're doing it because yeah. I know these young girls need someone like you to. I'm trying. Show yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, okay. okay. Thank you. Whew. All right. You're out of I was on ice. I was like, what is she going to bring up from 15 minutes ago? Cause sometimes my mouth just be running and I talk real fast sometimes. So I don't stutter, but then I talk real slow. So I don't stutter. It's like a weird phenomenon there. I got one for you. Who are three, who are some, Okay. Give me three. Give me three people who have been influential to you, most influential to you. Um, my brother, my oldest brother, my my dad, and gosh, let me think. Class. Um. Well, there's a lot. I, my son, my mm, my okay. son. Crazy. I'm like, how come all three of them were males? Not that I I haven't had females influence me. My, my sisters, my mom, the other female leaders and teachers and friends, but those are the three that that, that come to my mind. Mostly it's crazy. I'm gonna have to like go and you're going to have to reflect reflect and deconstruct that. I thought for sure you were going to say mom. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. No, those are the people, my dad, my brother, and my son. Um, but the, the uh-huh. reason for it is um, my dad, he was just, he still is an amazing man, extremely hard worker. Um, I remember him, like one of the things my dad did was he always, and not because he told us to do it, but because we just saw him do it. He was always so kind and generous to people. Like, even though, like, I didn't know we were poor, but we were. Because he was always helping other people. Like, it was, uh, he, he was just always very compassionate, extremely hardworking, and a great and loving father. Um, I think as women, I, I don't know, at least I, I'm thinking as a, in, in our culture, we often struggle with, um, knowing how we should be treated by men. And um, Uh. that sounds really, I don't know, old school, but that's where, that's where we are. That's what, you know, but my dad, my brother, um, they, they really took that role seriously. And and they, they were just so loving and strong, hardworking. Their work ethic is amazing. So is my mom's. Um, But the thing with my brother he was my first teacher. He's 10 years older than me. And uh, every gift he ever gave me was educational. Ooh. Everything. And when I was little, I hated it. I was like, why did he just right. give me another book? Why? Um, but uh, he would come home from college and it was like, go read. And you're going to summarize this. And I came home and gave you a book report. And, uh, wow. Yeah literally and i was like but it's friday and um it's like go read and uh like he he bought me my first uh magazine subscription to the atlantic (laughs) i remember the atlantic it's like a political and economic magazine 
and I was in fifth grade. And here I am thinking I'm going to get highlights or something. Right, yeah. Uh, the highlights magazine that you all mm. saw in the dentist office. And uh, no. Wow. <laughs> so I, he just always pushed me. He was just always pushing me to do something else. Like, we're going to go for a run. Oh, like, why? Why are we going to go for a run? Because mm. you need to go do something. So um, I just appreciated that he was just always pushing me to do something else. And I was little. Um, I, as a little girl, I had a lot of anxiety and I would wake up at night and my, I mean, and my brother would call me into his room and he'd read me a story till I was okay. And then, but he's so like non-emotional. Like, I, I mean, he's so like, he'll never hug me. He's never going to be like, kiss us, tell us he loves us or anything. He shows his love wow. differently. And, uh, I've just really appreciated that. And, um, I think my son, it's because I'm just amazed at who he is as a young man. And we kind right. of grew up together. And he's just been a, a really, he's a, he's just amazing in, in so many ways. And so I, it, it's crazy, but I, I see it. I, sometimes he is talking and I'm like, how are you so wise right now? Look how at his mama. This? Look so at really, his mama. Right, right. Thank you, sir. You I'll know, take so credit. Just, just yeah, a little I'll take bit. The credit. Just, just a little <laughs> bit. It, it seems like your, like your brother saw saw something in you that you may not have even seen in yourself. Mm. I have no idea. He's just that, like, but, but he was just I have no idea. And like I said, he's not very communicative. Like, it's not like he's going right. to tell me right. why he. Right. <laughs> He would know her, right? He just he just did it, and uh, so I really appreciate that. And um, one of the things that I've seen in our culture, like in like just with my family, like extended family, like we're like, when's the next right, family right. party, right? Like we we, we got to go to this party. Like it's somebody's quinceanera, it's somebody's wedding, it's somebody's like get together, and. Um, because we value families, you know, we, we value our time with our family. And, um, but my brother was like, it's going to be education, my parents and, uh, always. it's always about that. So there has to be a balance. Um, but I just, uh, I know that a lot of the kids in our community, they may not be hearing it enough. And so I want to, I just appreciate having people who pushed me, teachers, everybody. What about you? Who are oh, you? Oh man, um, my father definitely. My father definitely. He's um, he's quite quite the character. Very intelligent. Very well well read. Um, kind of speaks in like it's like when he when he talks, it's like reading proverbs or something. Like he's he's just always he always has so much game to provide and it's in small things like one of his famous phrases is uh you're either in the way or on the way and he has said that to me probably mm. a thousand times and you know when i was young I, I did a lot of a lot of questionable things and he he knew what I was doing. He, he knew it because I was acting just like he was. And he always wanted to make sure that I was right where I needed to be doing the things I needed to do. He saw 
what I was going to become. And he wanted to try to bring that to fruition. And I was working against that to be who I wanted to be, which is not who I was, who I should have been at all. Um, Oh man, I was what do you tripping. Mean by that? I was I was getting into trouble and I was just trying to be okay. what I thought was my my authentic self. I've always been very loyal. So I was just like, I'm just hanging with the homies. Basically. And that that mm-hmm. that, that led me to a lot of uh, okay. a lot of tough circumstances for real. But I turned out I <laughs> I would like to think. But uh I did, I did. did. Um another one would probably be Malcolm X, yeah, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, yeah, yeah. Read the book, young, got turned on to it. My father was very, uh, very pro, pro black with them within the household. He wanted to make sure we knew who we were, where we, where we come from. My father was born here in in Los Los Angeles, but my, but they were fresh out of Mississippi, like when they arrived here, right after the whole Emmett Till murder and assassination and all of that. Um, they eloped from mm-hmm. Mississippi and came out to California, Los Angeles area, of course, and just tried to build a, a, a community where they didn't have to raise their children. And what they figured was adverse white supremacy. Little did they know that that stuff is everywhere. You know, they were trying to, trying to get away from it. Right. But, so that's what we, that's what they did. Um, so my father, Malcolm X, and we'll just throw my mom in there. She's just the, the, the sweetest person in the world. And the way in which my parents get down and just how they love us and how they loved on us and 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 their patience with us. And like my my father still sings to my mother. He'll come in and just he'll just he'll just be singing. And, you know, and he he gives her a lot of a lot of shit. And anyone who knows my father knows he he talks a lot of mess. He really does. But the way he loves my mother, how he, how he handles her. It's just, it was just great to see and great to be in that presence of just love. So I, I, I've always tried to impart that mm-hmm. upon others and, and students and just, and just let them know that it's okay and that they can get through it. And I just try to just bring love wherever I go. And yeah, that's what makes me who I am. I would say those are my three biggest. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? My mom's gonna be yes, like, she I is. Mama, you yes, she is, Mama. Get her, go get her, go get her. <laughs> My mom's amazing. She's strong she, woman. She has to be. She she, she has to be strong. Raising women. you all and you all coming out the way that you did. Like I mean, you guys went four for four. That's good. Some people get three out of four. They get two out of Great. four. Some people just get one. Y'all four for four. That's powerful. She's. A- well, she's a firecracker, and uh, yeah, that's a strong woman. You don't mess with her, so you better make sure you shout her out. Um, but you know, what? Yeah. she doesn't speak English, though, so I'm just going to let her know that I said she is one, and and it's true. My mama wow. is amazing and one of the strongest so, women I know. So let's. So that was that was then. What are you doing now? What's the what's the plan now? So you talk for a while. You've been assistant principal, high school, middle school now. Like, what's what's the end game? Where are you headed? What's the goal? I want to be. I like my end game is. Mm. I, I want to be a principal. Like it, it doesn't uh, like it doesn't appeal. Like you know, like I'm not thinking about like 
well, because I eventually want to be a director or assistant superintendent. It's like, I want to be at a school with kids, with teachers, with parents. Um, I want to be, yeah, that, that, that's what I'd like to be. I want to be a principal, but I enjoy my job very, like I get a lot of Mm. gratification from my current job as, as an assistant principal. And, um, it's because I, I truly love what I do. I know it sounds so corny. I really no, do. It, it, it sounds, it sounds honest and real. It sounds, it, it sounds real. Cause I've, I've been there. I, I mean, it almost sounds like I'm saying it like in an interview, like, you know, like, but no, like I really do. I love what I do. I'm, I'm happy when I'm doing it. All of it. <laughs> no, you don't I'm not saying you. I don't, I'm just like, okay, okay. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, moments when I felt that way. And for the most part, I loved what I did. Like, I love working with kids. I, I do, I do, I do. I really kind of strayed away from the admin chair and went to the DO for a couple reasons. But one of them, I just wanted to be around my own. I got tired of being away from my own, but being at the middle school, mm-hmm. that will lend you an opportunity to be more around your kids, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like um, all of them. My kids are grown now. Like my last one, uh, my youngest oh, one's yeah, eighteen. You good. Yeah, you good. You good. <laughs> yeah. So it's really like okay, like. So I'm just, you know, I think I'm excited for like, what's my next challenge? Uh, What am I going to do? Right. Like, cause I like, I'm a mom first. Right. But like, okay, the youngest one's going to, you know, he's going to college next and my daughter's in college. My son's doing his thing. He graduated or like, all right, there's work. And what else am I going to do? I knew you had three. I thought you had one that was like 14 or something. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe because oh, back yeah. when we met. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long, that was a while ago. When did you make your way to Colton? Seven? Seven yeah. years ago. I think I started the year before you got there. I think I was, I was at GT yeah, in 2014, March, March of 2014. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like, unfortunately, like that by the time that, um, I was thinking about how little we collaborate. We got to collaborate together. Um, But one of the good things that came out of the COVID pandemic and distance learning was this type of uh, forum where we can collaborate. And so that became a really cool thing. And so maybe we could collaborate more now. Let's set up something. um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a whole bunch of ideas. Being at the DO and having a, a little bit more time to kind of just process things and just looking at data, it 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 really drives me to to create more more change, like broader change, and and not just present the work and what needs to be done, but actually doing it. You know, actually going to the schools and really getting in there, and people are really surprised. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. People don't normally come down here, you know, and kind of just like tap in and do it the way they should do. I'm like, nah, I got you. Let's go. What are we going to do? How are we going to solve this? Instead of here's your data, figure it out. Let me know what y'all come up with. Email me a list of, uh, you know, strategies or whatever things you're going to implement. Nah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm down there. So I try. So, yeah, I'd love to hear what you're doing. Um, 
you should and if if you get a chance you should come down and visit lakeside middle school and and see what you see and like you're going to be like i'm noticing some things yeah yeah you know we we can your district can pay me a consulting fee and i can (laughs) i'll talk to <laughs> yeah, you're not just coming out. Like- I will talk. I will make connections with with your board president, my bro, Ty Tyler Dell. Oh, that's yeah. That's Maybe cool. I'll get with him one day, and yeah. he and I will just pull up. But for sure, yeah, let's definitely um get together. Do you know my principal, Doctor Kenny? Uh, She's no, nope. I just know him because I went to college with him, and yeah, yeah, we go, we oh, go okay. way back, way back. Way okay. back. So yeah. So I, the, the work that you're doing, I think, is so important. And so shout out to yeah, you're at Montana, FUSD, baby. right? I'm in there. I'm in there. Shout out to them for that, for, for having you in that position, right? Um, and you're doing some really important stuff. And our kids need it. Definitely. Right. We, the educators, need it so we can Likewise. support our kids. And I'm so glad that we're now having these conversations so much more frequently and it's not just about here's the ed code here's the punishment right get out of my face right um that we're really looking at kids in a different way yeah because the get out my face it it just doesn't work okf shades is the premier choice for sunglasses top quality unique signature fresh trendy Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. It doesn't work. And I don't care what people say. It doesn't work. You're, you're dealing with, with people's children. You're dealing with, with babies. And they really need love. And they're going to make mistakes because that's when people make mistakes. They make mistakes, you know, 10 to 17. Like, that's that's when mistakes are going to be made. So to think that you can implement some sort of plan that's going to clean up the place and get rid of all discipline, you're crazy. You're crazy to, to even plan it that Nothing way. Happened. You need to plan it where you are proactive and you're responding appropriately based off of the students, their history and the situation. And a lot of people tend to not do that, but mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Um, yeah, you've, you've done the discipline side. You've done the instructional piece with the master schedule what are some what are some things and I need I need a few some things that you can share with parents and families about both sides of the house to help them navigate what they're dealing with. We have a lot of parents that are dealing with kids getting suspended all the time and the classroom disciplinary issues and then there's the instructional piece. What what kind of mm-hmm. game can you give the parents? Because I got families that tap in and they listen to this and they want the game. They want to know, OK, this is what you do. You do this. You do like they want to know how to navigate that, especially as people of color, because that that's my audience. That's who I'm talking to. Yes. Um, and because I want to, you know, I'm a student advocate first question question 
ask the questions. If your child's being suspended, ask why. Like, don't just take it. And one of the things I see in in, in my Latino community is that we have a great deal of respect for educators, like uh, because our parents don't have the education, generally speaking. It's like whatever the teacher says goes. And to the detriment of our students sometimes, right? Because they don't question. You don't dare question the authority at the school. Um, and I say question, right? And, and if it ain't right, you, you need to go to bat for your kids because you are and should be their number one advocate. So um, I don't know. I, I wish, you know, that's a that's a really good point, Marlon. Like we should be doing more to educate the parents. And I think sometimes we shy away from it because maybe they're going to know too much and then they're going to ask us too many questions. But I say do it because if you're doing your job right, you don't care if you're asking right. questions. It shouldn't right? matter. Yeah. Like as the administrator. So, um, you know, uh, the other thing is, it's crazy what parents are dealing with today that, praise God, I did not have to deal with with my with my kids. I've seriously been blessed with my kids. Like, they've just been amazing. Um, but our parents are dealing with their kids who are having suicidal thoughts, are in relationships, in unhealthy relationships um, in seventh grade. Um things that happen, you know, yeah. they're sexually active, things like that. So um, I, I think one of the other things I would encourage our parents is to listen to your kids, talk to them, and try not to be too extreme on one end or the other, because that is what makes kids oh. shut down and not talk to you. And don't you think that because you gave them a rule that they're not just going to do what they're going to do anyways. So how do you keep that like line of communication open, right? Like that you're going to, I don't mean be so permissive that your kid feels like they could tell you absolutely anything, but, um, but they should, they should feel comfortable to talk to you about things. Right. And that you're not saying no to everything so that they stop asking you for permission. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, so, say that again. So don't say no to everything. Cause then they'll stop asking for permission. Nice. Yes, Ooh, right? Like, yeah. That's a bar right there. That's a bar. Um, our parents, um, I don't know. I'm thinking about like my immigrant parents who really like they don't even know how right. to like get on the computer, right? Like they don't know how to look through their kids' phones. They don't know. A lot of them are only speaking Spanish and their kids are Ooh. only speaking English. It's crazy. Mm, it's bananas, I right? I thought about that. Mm. And and it's it happens. So one of the things that like my dad did not allow, like my mom and dad were like, you will speak Spanish in the home and you will speak English outside of here. But if you ever respond to us not in Spanish, like we're we see kids like and I'm having these meetings with these parents. And the parent only speaks Spanish and the kid only speaks English. And I'm like, how, how did do, that happen? Exactly. How, how do they communicate? Mm. That's one of the things that our parents, uh, you know, in the Latino community are dealing with. Um, that is unique to immigrant families. Okay. So not just, la not, la not just Latinos, but, you know, in our area, that's what we're dealing with. Right. Um, 
and th that just brings so many more challenges. So I say, parents, be patient, talk to your kids, listen, and don't be extreme. You can't let them do whatever they want, but you cannot just say you can do nothing. You're going to lose them. And I think in either of those instances. That's right. You heard it. You heard it. Hey, that's that's game right there. That's game. That's game. That's game. That's game. Oh, man. What do you say um, to your parents? Same thing. I mean, I I raise my kids a little a little differently than well, I'm not gonna say a little, a lot differently than what how I was raised. Um, but I'm I'm much more relaxed, I'm much more approachable. I try to tell my parents to do mm -hmm. the same, to be someone uh, I saw a quote it said, if you're if you don't listen to your kid about the little things, then they won't come to you for the big things or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but right. that's what it is. It's having an open line of communication. So my son and I, my oldest, we talk about things I probably shouldn't be talking about with a 13, 14-year-old boy, but that's just what it is. That's the relationship that we have. You know, he and I, we talk about everything, everything. I see something funny on Instagram, as inappropriate as it might be. I send it something. Are you seeing this? And we laugh. That's how we, that's how we do because... I want him to be able to come to me for everything, anything, because if not, he's going to go to his friends. And I know what that's all about because, you know, I hung out with my friends. We're 15. I'm going to another 15-year-old asking him questions on how to deal with the situation that's at, at 15. He don't know nothing. Uh, it's just the blind leading, leading the blind that's out there. Right. So I try to tell my parents to tap into your kids, be a part of their lives, be in their business, be in their business, tap mm -hmm. in. And in regard yeah. to uh, educators, man, the same thing. Ask questions. Don't take no. Like, be be loud. And not in the sense of, you know, volume, but be heard. Send emails. Communicate with people. Ask questions. They ain't got the answer. Go get somebody that, that, that can answer the question. And be patient with it. Like, don't, mm -hmm. if you don't think it's right, don't, don't accept it. You know, ask for, ask for documentation. Right. Uh, especially when it comes to discipline, because we know how people cut corners. We know how people cut corners. Um, so, yeah, ask those I'm questions. Well, hold yeah. hold people accountable. And I have no problem educating my parents. I love it. I love it because it keeps me yeah. it keeps me sharp. You know, because there's always pressure to do what needs to be done, and in a sense, sidestepping and hurdling things that you should do prior to doing what needs to be done. So people want to fast track kids towards suspension and other exclusionary uh, practices or exclusionary discipline, but that's illegal. But it's, it, it's in many cases, the culture of where you're at that asks you to do that. So now you're butting heads with the culture versus reality and uh, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. the culture will get rid of you if you're if you're not on its side, and it it's yeah, yeah, F for real. That's facts. I have four. How many kids do you have? I got four. Okay, Help and your oldest is thirteen. Yeah. Okay, so what are <laughs> 14, your kids' ages? Um, I just call them fourteen. My daughter turns ten next month, so fourteen, ten, three, and a baby, a baby. Yeah, like six months, seven months, something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, Shut my three-year-old. Up. Really? Yeah, Congratulations. My he is autistic and it is a challenge. It is a serious challenge. Okay. So I had to reevaluate what I was doing in life, you know, spending time with other people's kids and 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 having a good good time doing it and say I need to be present for my own. So that's that's what I decided to do and it allows yeah. me to work differently and I love being off at four. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. It is nice at the middle school. So you're you uh, yeah. Early. You're yeah. off early. So that's hard cool. Work. That's awesome. Um, so I shared something that like, you know, when I was talking about like our Latino, our immigrant families that sometimes they're dealing with, they don't even speak the same language as their kids. What is something that you think is unique to maybe the, the black community that because I'm not black, I may not be aware of and I should be I was, aware of it as I'm dealing with parents unity and, and struggle. When, when we when we come across situations that we know to be wrong, we coming together for sure. And that's just what it is. And just know that historically, I have to explain this to people all the time, especially people who um, Euro, European Americans, like the white people. I have to explain this part of culture. And I say that my my people will align themselves with themselves when we walk into spaces looking for people that look like us and people that say, well, you know, why do you guys self self segregate? And I say, it's, it's like, it's us mm. being safe because when, when we're, in, when we've been in situations historically where there was one or two of us, we've been attacked, belittled, uh, dealing with microaggressions at work and that, that shit still happens. So we align ourselves with people that, that, that understand mm. us. And those people happen to look like us most of the time. And that I, that identity and that self that self-consciousness of you know, the self-consciousness and the self-identity and the desire to do that typically begins around like middle school. You'll have some kids that kind of grow up together and, you know, they're mixed, whatever. They're all, it's like a mix, a mixed bag of colors and creeds and religions and races or whatever. And right around middle school, people start to kind of like, I'm going over here. And I think it starts with with culture. Mm-hmm. It starts with understanding culture. Um, and then it becomes, you know, it's, it's how we, it's how we stay safe, man. It's what we do. And I'm sure other people do it as well, but it's really what we do. I walk into a room looking for, you know, someone that looked like me. I'm like, okay, cool. Every conference because there, cause there might only be just one. Really? And it's mm-hmm. funny. Cause when I do that, I see other people doing the same thing. I, I was walking to, here's a very good point. I was with, so my secretary, my former secretary, she was like, hey, let's let's go hang out. We went to hang out in Norco. So I'm with her and her friends and everybody, and we're just hanging out like some, some of my work peeps. And they're all white. We're at this bar in Norco, and I'm walking around, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm scanning the room and stuff. And she's like, what are you doing? It's safe. Why are you looking like that? You're making a scene. And I said, I'm trying, I'm trying to find an ally in here. And she was like, but... She was like, well, we're allies. Really? I said, yeah, but I just, it's just something that we do. We, you know, we look for solace and within each other. And true be told, there was a brother in there and he actually came up to me. He was like, bro, man, I was looking for another one. And I, and I looked at her and I said, see, I told you. I told you he was looking for me. And I'm looking for him. I was like, bro, I'm right here. You know, I'm, I'm right here. And that's just what we do. And 
it's it's a I don't know. It's like to protect ourselves and just to understand culture and because I love to be around people that understand me and why I do what I do and and like and how I do it. Right. And those people aren't exclusively black, but they understand the culture that I'm representing. You know, like some people are, you know, they could be European Americans, they could be white people. They can understand the culture. And then I can function with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and not to say I can't if you don't, but it just makes it more comfortable for me when you do. You know, when I say certain things and you're not like, what? Huh? What? Like just trying to understand me. Because we all, in a sense, have been um, indoctrinated into into white culture. <laughs> you know, it's it's the norm. <laughs> it's what it's it's the it's that, the standard. But it's so I've never thought about it. I've never known about that, right? So now that you mention it, I'm thinking about it. Then, like, okay, so our kids walk into our admin office, and you know, like couple of my previous schools, like right where there is like no black administrators, secretaries, office staff, anything like that. So do you think our kids feel more uncomfortable because they're looking around and they don't see anyone that they feel safe with? They're what? So how do you? No, 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 you're good. Oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, so how to like, if I am in an office where that's the case. And I don't have the ability to change that. Right. I can't hire a black person here right now. Like this is what we got. How do you think I can work at helping my students feel safe um, when they come? And they I don't would say see do your like best them. to build a relationship and understand their culture, like period, like period, you know, and, and celebrate mm-hmm. their culture. You know, there are certain, there are certain places where you go and it's Cinco de Mayo and the whole school damn near shuts down. Right. And it's, I mean, it's going down and I love it. I'm like, Hey, let's go. Let's rock. I'm out here. You know what I'm saying? But then it's black history month and there's crickets. Like our kids know that they see that when they're looking at pictures or on the school website and no children of color are a part of this image that you're presenting of the school. They they're not mm-hmm. stupid. They know, so they can feel it. They pick up on those on those vibes, and they respond accordingly. That's why people used to bypass everyone in the office and just and just come to me. They're like, "Man, Parker, understand? Hey, get him out here, man! Like, look, look." And it'd be something small and trivial, but they just don't feel comfortable speaking to these people who they feel might be judging them, don't understand their culture, or more so trying to. Um, trying to talk to them about how they're saying what they're saying instead of just listening to what they're actually saying. Like, come on, you know, you can, you, you like, you can address oh, the I- language later. You know, if a kid comes in, man, this motherfucker, like, like, ooh, don't cut them off. Hey man, wh- wh- no, just, okay, look, 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 now, now we got that out. Look, look, you can't be using that language up in here, man. Cause usually it's just comes from a place of passion. They're not trying to be, you know, uh, uh, disrespectful they're just, it's just it's a passionate topic and they're just like i need them to understand this so they give it how they know and yeah so but and i i agree with you and truth be told but you know i know these things i do them 
but there's definitely a lot of people out there that need to hear that, right? Like because they don't. What you just and said. They walk within their privilege, and it's it's a shame. It's really a shame. Our our, our kids are getting like a half ass meal, and everyone else is getting the the five course and it's just not fair it's not fair our kids are placed in in spaces where they're where they're uncomfortable and no intentionality is done to make them feel comfortable comfortable you know and and that starts from the classroom from the moment they hit the gate from the website to the Mm -hmm. instagram account to who's an asb how many times have i've had kids tell me that asb doesn't reflect me and you go look at the composition of asb and they ain't got a face in there that look like them so they're like asb does not does does not speak to me or the events are not tapping into the culture properly and they're not soliciting um or i'm assuming that that they're not doing what's necessary to solicit uh, the input from all sorts of students, not just not just the good kids, like the kids who are struggling, they got a voice too. If you can if you can get them to be connected and get them to tap into the school, then they might fall on a, on the other side of the fence. I might not be in a discipline office like that. So right. it's just looking at the total student and then trying to get the community involved, and you know, just doing what's necessary to build that relationship. A lot of times our parents, their only experience in public school, it, it, it was their own. So they so they come in on one already. And and you can't meet them there. You right. can't meet them at the level that they're at. You got to try to bring them down. You know, and one way to do that is to, is to put people in there that look like them. They come in differently. I'm sure people come, uh, respond differently when you when they come in and they speak Spanish and you respond to them in Spanish. They're like, oh. Oh, thank goodness. Someone, okay, look, now I don't have to try to pretend to say this. I can just say it and she'll understand. And even if you Absolutely. may not agree with what they want, they might want their son to not be suspended or their son to get inside this class. They at least know it comes from a place of love and respect as opposed to someone who might not just, un- who might not understand what I'm, what I'm even saying. Maybe, maybe Mrs. Navarro didn't give me what I want because she doesn't understand what I was asking. Now, I, I'm not going to ask any more questions now. I'm just going to just not not say anything as opposed to understanding why they didn't get what they want. And that's the thing. Those connections aren't built. So right. when you say it, they like, who are you? What are you talking about? And then they and then they call me in there the black mama whisper. And I come in there and I tell it to them how they need, how they need to hear. It, and it's like, oh, for sure. I got it. And it's done. <laughs> sure. And how like that, that's like such an important thing. Uh, you know, what you were just talking about is how important it is for us to be intentional in our leadership about those little messages we sent that I don't think in the past, most of us ever thought about, but the fact that like, um, we have the responsibility to make sure we reach out to that ASB director and say like, we like, what are we doing to make sure that ASB mm-hmm. looks like Mm-hmm. All of our yeah. kids, right? Um, one of the things I've thought of also, you know, like sometimes, um, I don't know, the communities I've worked in have been predominantly Hispanic, like Latino. And so, yeah, we have often not been intentional about like, how are we going to help our Black students feel comfortable, our Asian students, mm-hmm. any every student, right? Um, but I was thinking about like mm-hmm. our language learners. Right, right. And... 
So I was building connections with them. And as I was talking to them, like, they're like amazed. Like this is some of them, this is their first experience in any school. And they come here and they can't believe that we have buses that take you to go participate in athletics. They can't believe that we have ASB and they want to be involved, but we haven't been intentional in how do we involve them. So uh, I just think these are really important conversations about like when we're in our schools. So you keep talking about I'm those trying. Things. I'm just trying, to light, I'm just trying to light. I'm just trying to light the fire and sharing it. It's funny because I've been in spaces where 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 that was not encouraged. Hey, 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 chill out, man. Like, calm down a little bit. Like, but now where I work at, I I, I work in an office full of full of people who understand the need and and the cultural uh, and the way to to respond to it culturally, and they get it and they say, man, just go, go, do that, do that work. Say it how you just said it to me. Just tell them. You know, because they they know I'm not going to say anything yeah. wild and crazy or stupid that's going to get us all in trouble. But I'm going to say it to a in a in a manner where okay. people can understand it, and they love that. And I I can say that this is the first time that I've actually had that stated to me explicitly from everyone that I deal with directly to just do that work and do it like that. And we're going to ride with you. And if you want to drive the car, we'll be in the backseat. If you want us to drive the car, like it's everybody's moving in the same direction from top to bottom, you know, and it's phenomenal. That's amazing. People understand the culture and, you know, and, and it's, it's a lot, whole lot of us in there. A lot of, a lot of black and brown people and they're, uh, you know, and they're all, um, LGBTQ and, and, and all the different, everything that you need, some European Americans, all of that, like every, we're, we're all in there, all working towards a common cause. We all are trying to do our best to work and respond to it culturally as well and have knowledge of that and paying attention to that and being, and being intentional when we do so. So we try to highlight everybody's month and we're making t-shirts and distributing them and we're giving them out to everybody. We're not going to the school for black history. We're giving shirts to the black kids. Everybody get this shirt. You get one, you get one. Like, 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 right. And that's what we're doing. And that was like my first day at, at that job. When I walked in there and saw that, I said, man, this is the work I need to be doing. This here is the work that I need to be doing at this point in my life right now and it's been so inspiring and motivational and just you know um having that time to to connect and reconnect and do things like like the assistant principal's office and get you on here so so quickly and you know and just do all these different things it's really filling my bucket as well so um i appreciate you for sitting down with me thank you Woo! thank you keep doing that work i'm so uh so glad that our kids have someone Likewise. like you in that position. And I'm gonna and I'm it's gonna come check out your school. Crazy. I really am. I really am. No consulting fee needed. The first Oh, be trying to charge me on this first visit. First visit. Free. Free. You're right. The first visit's free. After that, okay. I need some Ooh, man. You're gonna have to pay me for what I know. So I'll talk to Tyler Dale and we'll go from there. But yeah, so you're love my principal. Can, so yeah. Where can it's, our it's, listeners it's, connect with you? How can they reach you? Let them know. Oh man, I got to do a better job. But I, I, I don't do the whole so I, I don't do social media, and I know I really have to be better about it. I do have a Twitter. Tw- 
Miss, <laughs> honestly, I'm. I don't. I think it's at Miss Navarro Four. Miss Navarro Four okay. right. on Twitter. Uh, she's old school, y'all. She's old school. She's pen and pen and paper. Pen and paper. <laughs> no, I've had some things uh, yeah. happen that I was just like, I don't want it. I don't want anything. So another thing I do is I know I know people, especially within our our culture, they get up on these stages and they're talking to people, and everybody has someone they're supposed to shout out. This is an opportunity for you to get your get your get your shout outs in. Shout out to mom, especially, and everybody else. <laughs> I start with my mom. Shout out to my mom. You're amazing. Um, shout out to Dr. Kenny, my principal. I, I I really appreciate her. So shout out for being a strong woman leader uh, who supports other women. And um, Mr. Nelson, my the the uh, my other AP. Um, shout out to my kids who are amazing and have made my role as a mother very easy so shout out to missy, missy she really does need to call us back goodness. shout out to missy for real i'm gonna shout out mr kotlewski because he just oh, got he his doctorate oh, okay. right okay okay usd chris and the so building. proud of that's him that's dope that's dope yeah so Shout out to CJU as the yeah, yeah, they definitely start. pulled me out of out of the classroom for for real. I didn't think I was even worthy of that position at that time, but I did it. I learned a lot. They taught me a lot. They really let me grow into myself. And yeah, it was yeah. Shout out to Angela Dissinger. She took a chance on a teacher from San Bernardino with limited experience who was very rough around the edges. <laughs> And just brought him in and and helped refine him. Yet, still allowing some of those some of that rigidity to exist because that's what makes me me. So, shout out to her for that. Yeah, shout out to yeah. her for that. That mm-hmm. sounds like yeah, an amazing definitely, definitely. principle. One so, of my favorites. Awesome. So yeah, I'm just gonna wrap this on up, people. Check this out. I got some sponsors, and I I just have to run through them. I'm going to start with one amazing business known as Get Lace Laces. That's mine, where we sell custom shoelaces and sneakerhead apparel. Premium sneakers need premium laces. Stop buying sneakers that look just like everybody else's and get what you need because you need it. Be unique. Be bold. Be you. My brother, OKFA Shades, and that's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades. Check him out. Get the finest shades to fit your style. Black-owned business. My brother, he's Nigerian-American. He's out here making it happen, doing what he can to impact and make sure that that your vision is enhanced and that you got what you need because you need it. And back to myself, of course. I have a course on school discipline. If you heard something here in regards to the uh, Ed Code 48900, your kids are going through something on a, on a, on a, from a discipline standpoint, and you got questions. You live in the state of California, and you got questions with school discipline. I have a course. I got a book. I got it all, and it helps, and it walks you through it. What? It's called A Parent's Guide to School Discipline, and you can get that on at principalpthemc.com, principalpthemc.com. I also do public speaking. If you got an engagement where you want to hire me to come out and talk to the people, Talk to the people. Let me know and I will show up. You can email me at info at principalpthemc.com. You can follow me on Instagram at principalpthemc. And my Twitter is at principalpthemc. Holla at your boy. 
This is what we do. I always leave with a quote, but before I drop my quote, I want to say thank you, Ruby, again, my friend, for doing what you do, thank for stepping you. out the box and making it happen. Yeah. That wasn't thank that you bad, for right? Me do it. <laughs> I mean, making me do this, but I mean, like, that's helping right, me that's step right. out. We all box. have to push each other at times. So, this is something for me. I used to stutter when I was young. And public speaking has been my gift. So I just, I just, I share the gift. Like I said, I give the game away. So I give this shit away. And I have a quote from my man, Mighty Most Deaf. And it says, they want you to be successful, but then they make it stressful. You start keeping pace. They start changing up the tempo. And that's from Most Deaf, a song called Mr. Nigga. Mm. It's one of my favorites. You got to check that out. But all in all, I thank you. I thank you, everybody, for tapping in. This episode of the Assistant Principal's Office is done. I will catch y'all on the flip side. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Assistant Principal's Office with Principal P, the MC. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you here next time. There's someone you should definitely look up to.